Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. This is our inaugural father and son episode. <laughs> Not that we know that many father and son couples in creative arts activity. Being able to interact with people, being someone that's reliable, that, that's likable, is actually as important as the technical skills you bring to the table. And I think I had exposure to that growing up and also seeing you, Dad, direct and uh, work on plays from an early age. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? If, if children do get that exposure, meet artists doing real work, they can see what the potential for a career really is. Use those opportunities when they arise to actually work with a the theatre company, to work with a film company, to work with a local radio station, or whatever. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your co-host, Fred Keating. We are back in Hollywood, California, at the lovely Chateau Marmont Hotel, right next door to the world-famous, equally famous, Sunset Boulevard. Fred, we have two special guests with us today. Tell me about this. Absolutely. This is our inaugural father and son episode. <laughs> Not that we know that many father and son couples in creative arts activity, but what we were speaking uh, with Peter Muskamp uh, in Bristol, England recently, and uh, he, of course, uh, mentioned that his son Tom resides in Los Angeles as a, a filmmaker and an editor, and so we thought it might be a, a great idea to actually have father and son, Peter and Tom, uh, together uh, in this particular interview to talk about being father and son in similar and yet somewhat dissimilar career paths in the creative arts. That sounds great. Where do you want to start with this, Peter or Tom? Peter is transatlantic. He's uh, patched into us from the Bristol area in the UK. He's Skyping, yep. Peter, let me just recap briefly one of our previous conversations. You mentioned so much of the direction that led you into a career in, in the arts uh, came from your, your home life. Is this a similar uh, iteration with, with Tom? Is this a, a, is this a family industry, this creative arts uh, pursuit? Well, I think we always enjoyed the cinema. And uh, from an early age, I remember talking about films with, with Tom. So maybe we seeded the idea of, uh, of working in the cinema quite early on. I think it started, you, you'll correct me, Tom, if I'm wrong, with um, us getting hold of a camera for you. Yeah, my, my first client, in a way, was uh, mum and dad. And they would commission me to make a kind of holiday video, which I'd take very seriously. I would edit it. I'd put music on it. And we would always have a kind of screening right after the, the holiday had finished. Now, that was the beginning, Tom. Tell us about your career now. What do you do? So now I'm an, um, principally an editor. Um, I'm also uh, trying to make a documentary and other projects on the side. But um, my bread and butter, I suppose you'd call it, is editing. I've had a career over here in television for a long time. Um, I've worked on television shows like Dancing with the Stars and for the BBC. And now I run my own editing company. And we do um, everything from trailers, promos, sizzle reels. My kind of area of specialty is short form, um, kind of effects heavy, graphics heavy. So uh, producers get together um, from all over the country 
all over the world, in fact, and pitch their ideas for television shows. And they, in those pitch sessions, they have to take with them what they call a sizzle reel. And I've kind of got into this niche of creating these for producers. They basically play like trailers for television show ideas. Now, Tom, tell us a, a little bit more about your editing career and to what extent was your father's influence and your father's encouragement instrumental in you becoming successful in your own career? Quite early on, I, w I was making these kind of videos and, and films from home that we, we'd mentioned. And um, there's only so far you can go with a kind of VCR and a camera. And we quite quickly got to a point where um, I wanted to try kind of proper editing with proper equipment. I was probably about 13 or 14 and my parents looked into renting an edit suite in Bristol where I grew up. So in, in a way they kind of opened the door to me at that point um, to professional equipment. And then they also helped me um, find work placements at places like the BBC at 16 and work with other editors in the field. So I, I was getting kind of a professional um, insight into how everything uh, happens in television from quite an early age. One of the most important things for uh, anyone coming into the film or television industry is people skills, being able to interact with people, being someone that's reliable, that, that's likable, is actually as important as the technical skills you bring to the table. And I think I had um, exposure to that growing up um, and also from the work placements you mentioned working in a team and also seeing you dad uh, direct and uh, work on plays from an early age I was kind of exposed to that kind of team collaborative environment um, all, all of which are really important skills in, in the film and television industry. Tom when you talk about team in the edit suite you bring considerable skills to the table but you're also dealing with a a client, an engager of your services who has the ultimate call as to whether or not a, a something is uh, pleasing in the way he or she hopes it'll turn out or not. And uh, can you give us an indication of the uh, delicate balance between it not really being your project and perhaps the client not having the same technical acumen that you do and, and how you handle those dicey situations? Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult thing as an editor. We work with a number of different clients, people like uh, Lionsgate, um, NBC. You mentioned that the, uh, when, when you're hired to create a job, it's not, your, it's not your work, you're a work for hire. And as a creative person, you often want to take creative ownership of a, of a project. And um, it's very difficult for people coming into the industry to kind of remember that it really isn't their, their piece and they may feel passionate and invested about it, but it really isn't theirs and it's not, it's not their place to kind of say that something should be this way or that way. You can advise, but you can only take that so far, I think, and be successful. So one of, one of the delicate balances is addressing notes, for instance, when you're giving notes that you feel may uh, weaken the project, but it's what they want. It's how do you address that in a way that still gives them a quality product that, um, that you're proud of, but that also um, address their concerns and, and revisions. And that, that's a constant struggle as an editor and a producer. And yet if you can find that balance, if you can uh, demonstrate the other, the, the reliability, the cooperation, the willingness to learn or adjust that you've described as important traits, then in fact you may get a client for life. Yes, uh, you'll see a lot of return business because of the confidence that individual has in, in you. Yes. I mean, I, I think being able to work with a client in a way where they feel that you're bringing a lot to the table, 
but they're also getting a product that they feel they've left their mark on and that is what they wanted. It, it, it's that balance that, that's key. And I, I, I think you're right. If you can master that, that balance, that's, that's very important to succeeding, definitely in editing, but in other fields too. Now, Peter, these are pretty nuanced kind of people skills that we're talking about here. When it was obvious that your son was going to enter into a career with his creative talents, to what extent were you methodical about saying he really needs to go down all of these checkboxes and, and learn all of these things, or did you just kind of toss him into situations and let him learn for himself? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, there was no grand plan at all, Marvin, no. They, they, we, we, I mean, in a sense, we were pragmatic. Um, one step at a time, let's see how far we go. I mean, one of the big issues for Tom and for us as a family was when he decided he wanted to go into film work, you know, where should he go to train? And uh, there are a number of courses available in, in the UK, as there are in the States. And we had to make a decision about which was the best for him. And it was really Tom's experience of working at the BBC and, and other contexts which made us as a family realize that actually what he needed was a very good vocational course, uh, not a, just a, a university course in, in film criticism, but a course which actually had a strong training dimension. And uh, we, we looked around, looked at the courses available and decided on a particular course, which happened to turn out to be just the job for, for, for what he wanted. Uh, and and for, for two good reasons, I think. It gave him training on the job, and he had some very good placements in, in really professional outfits in London. I, I think Tom might be perceived as somebody who was in a bit of a privileged situation in that his father was somebody who was very comfortable with the arts, had a career in the arts. You were very supportive. There are many creative people around the world who have parents who, who maybe aren't creative and they're, and they're working in some other totally different profession, know nothing about how to monetize a career in creativity. What advice would you have for those parents with respect to supporting their children? No, that's a very good point, actually, Marvin. Uh, and I was anticipating that might come up because it did sound as if Tom was in a privileged position. And in a sense, he was. But nevertheless, he, he had to uh, take the opportunities that were given him, which he did. And not, not every son or daughter does that. But going, going back to the, the more general point, yes, that's true. Uh, there are parents who don't have an understanding or, or indeed an interest in the arts, but have children who do. And that's why I think the policy, if you like, of the British government, in fact, at the moment, and particularly the last Labour government, to bring artists into schools. Uh, to give children direct experience of working with artists, the point I was making earlier, it was a very important one. Because if, if children do get that exposure, can really meet artists doing real work, uh, they can see what the uh, potential for a career really is um, in, in those areas. So what I would say to any parent or any child is use those opportunities when they arise to actually work with a theatre company to work with a film company, to work with a local radio station, or whatever. So I guess in summary, there are really millions of people around the world who are earning a living with their creativity. And, you know, we should just acknowledge that and help our children find the fit that's right for them. Absolutely. That's good, a good way of putting it, I think, yeah. Yeah. 
I think I knew from an early age that I wanted to pursue a creative field and, and that was encouraged. But it, equally, I could have gone in, on a different career path. It, it ultimately came from um, a passion for the arts and for filmmaking and music. I think that's the key for me. It's, it's following what you're passionate about and what gets you excited because you're going to spend the rest of your life doing it if you're successful. So do something that, that really uh, motivates you to get out of bed. Absolutely. And as Grandpa Keating used to say, if in fact you uh, do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Now, Fred, Fred, hold on. Why does Grandpa Keating get a spot in every second podcast episode that we do? He's a sponsor, isn't he? I'm not even sure where he is at this point, but I'm hoping he's a sponsor or listening and whatever. Why, why, why do you go off on these rants, Marvin? Okay, fine. Uh, here comes the voice of reason. Yes, Peter. Here come, no, here comes the anecdote. I, I don't know whether you know, know of uh, Terry Wogan, but he was a really big uh, radio star in the United Kingdom. He died a few days ago and uh, will be much missed. But he was very funny. He, he was one of the funniest broadcasters. And uh, one of the things uh, that came up in the obituaries recently was his meeting with the Queen a few years ago. And he'd worked in the BBC for about 30 years. And the Queen came up to him and said, uh, how long have you, uh, they were meeting in the BBC, and she said, how long have you been working here? And Terry Wogan said, mom, I've never worked here. <laughs> and, and I think that's just, just it. As Tom said, if you're doing something you really love, it's not work. Well, it is, of course, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I think one of the really crucial things is to build a network of people that you stay in touch with. And um, advice I was given very early on was, Whenever you meet someone, for instance, in an internship that you're working with, check in with that person from time to time. Send emails, stay friendly in a kind of authentic way with as many people as you can in the industry because you never know which one of those people may be crucial in helping you later on. And it works both ways too. That um, There may be people that you can help out. And um, the whole industry works in a, in a network of personal relationships. Without those, you really can't succeed. So... I think it's important to kind of focus on that from, from the very beginning. You know what, Fred? I really like the way Tom thinks. I think we should ask him back for another episode. Uh, Tom, would you mind terribly uh, allowing us to impose upon your wit and wisdom again because I'm getting the time cop look from my friend Marvin here saying that uh, we're getting close to the end of our opportunity. Please, may we uh, invite you back for another episode? Absolutely. I'll come back. And Peter, you know the door is always open to you as well. Please. Thank you very much, Fred. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.